Well, please turn to Genesis chapter 10. This is where we'll be. This is where we'll be looking tonight. Genesis chapter 10. It's a chapter called the table, often titled the table of nations. And um, I'm going to have us read it as we go along. Um, I have a feeling if I can pronounce the nations correctly once, that may be all I'll get. So, uh, so anyway, we're gonna, we'll just take it in section by section as we go through it uh, tonight. In uh, Genesis 9.19, if you turn back to that uh, portion in um, Genesis 9, it says, These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole earth were dispersed. So we have the. Um, is it a little too loud? Okay. Um, anyway, it's loud to me. I feel loud in my. So the three sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, from whom the whole earth was dispersed. And when he uses that word dispersed, what it's talking about is the dispersion of the peoples into the various nations of the world, that story will come in chapter 11. And we have in uh, Genesis 10, a genealogy of sorts. It's not like a typical genealogy because it's not uh, only focused on individuals. There are some individuals in it, but there are also, it's also a focus on the nations. And so what we have in Genesis 10 is this account of the nations that come from Noah through his three sons and uh, the places where they dwelt. Uh, So they were all gathered and it would have actually been the places to which they were dispersed to following the Tower of Babel. So we're kind of getting a taste of where they're going to head once they're um, dispersed at the Tower of Babel in this chapter. But it's to show us these various nations Uh, The genealogy or the generations that are here in in Genesis 10 aren't completed until 11. And uh, there's a reason for that. If you just kind of survey your Bibles, if you have headings, you'll see the Tower of Babel is chapter 11, 1 through 9. And then you have the heading. If if you have a heading over the section, it's Shem's Descendants. Uh, because ultimately the, it's going to lead to Abraham. And that's where the story in Genesis is going. But here we have Noah and his three sons. And so we have in verse 1, these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, uh, excuse me, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Sons and sons were born to them after the flood. So here's this very familiar phrasing. These are the generations. Remember, we've seen it several different times already, and we'll see it a number of times again. It's sort of a heading, uh, capsulating what's going to be given underneath, but it's sort of a marker of a new section of Genesis and um, directing our uh, thoughts to that. And in this chapter 10, 70 nations are given. Uh, that are derived from the sons of Noah. 
Now, that doesn't mean that there were only 70 nations. It's not a necessarily a number of, of, of exhaustion that includes all the nations, but it's symbolic. It's symbolic, the number seven, the number 10, among some of the numbers in the Bible, three. They have a, they have a symbolic significance also. Seven, the number of perfection. Ten, the number of completion. And so when out of these 70 nations, you're getting a sense of the totality of humanity that descended from Noah. And it also reminds us that we're all part of the same family. Uh, some of the unfortunate facts in past history, even among those who are Bible-believing Christians, were to see a distinction among races where one was better than another. And that's completely false. There are differences, of course, and uh, the, multiple, uh, the, the, the number of races that we have in this world are wonderful, in um, the, the, the complexity that God creates, but we all come from the same seed. We all come from the line of Noah. So we're not better or worse than another group. We're all part of the same family. But in this chapter 10, uh, so we have in the, the first verse, the, the order of the sons is Shem, Ham, and Japheth. But then as Moses writes out this chapter, he inverts that order and he gives us Japheth, Ham, and Shem. And that's not, uh, that there's a significance to that. And the significance to that is, well, Japheth and Ham may not be so significant, but Shem being the last one is most significant. Because um, if you go back into chapter nine, after the curse on Canaan, which was one of the sons of Ham, uh, he also said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, let Canaan be his servant and may God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his servant. And so what we have there, a prophecy of the priority of Shem and his descendants uh, over the descendants of the other two sons. And that's the significance of Shem being last in this chapter and then continuing on in chapter 11 because the Shem, the line of Shem is the line of the Messiah. It's the line of the promised son. It's the promised line. It's the line of the woman. And Abraham is part of that line. It's the lineage of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And we see this uh, pointing to, for example, the genealogy of Jesus in Luke chapter three, where it refers to this descendant of Shem being the line through which the Messiah would come. So while it's called the table of the nations, if you looked in the bulletin and saw my title to the message, you will notice it's, it's, I, I titled it The Hope of the Nations. And that was also deliberate because the way this genealogy is laid out for us, it's pointing us forward to the hope that all nations have, which is in Christ. That's where their hope is, not in any of the other blessings they might enjoy. So 
We come first in this listing of nations, and I hope it won't get too tedious, but I'm going to go through where these nations go, where these sons go, and some of the history there. But in um, Genesis 10, verse 2, it says, The sons of Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshech, and Tiraz, and then getting to some of the grandsons, the sons of Gomer, Ashkenaz, Ripath, and Togarmar, the sons of Javan, Elisha, Tarshish, Kittim, and Dodanim. From these, the coastland peoples spread in their lands, each with his own language, by their clans, in their nations. And when he refers to, here's Japheth, the third son, giving first, when he refers to there in verse five that these, they spread along the coastland peoples, each with his own language by their clans and their nations. He's thinking of the coastlands of the Mediterranean. And uh, Japheth's descendants move, some in Asia, but move primarily uh, westward into what we know as Europe and north into um, uh, the Slavic nations north of the Black Sea and into what we know of as England. Probably should have a map up here. And uh, there are those who want one interesting note on the prophecy, may God enlarge Japheth, is that one, part, one author says that uh, it's thought that the descendants of Japheth went north across um, what we know of as Russia, the Bering Strait, all the way down into the uh, regions of North and South America and settled in, in that area, which that prophecy of, <clears throat> of, of Noah would be coming true. God is enlarging the uh, territory and the people of Japheth. So they weren't the focus of God's redemptive plan in terms of they weren't the promised line, but they became the objects of God's great missionary endeavor to the whole world. But we come here to these sons. There's seven sons of Japheth that are listed, Gomer, which is thought to be uh, linked to the Sumerians or in the Crimea, the Black Sea, present day, uh, north into the region of Russia. There are some other nations that have um, their their names and, and languages that are similar to some of these tribes that went north. Uh, Magog is also directed uh, to the um, Scythian tribes that are located near the Black Sea. And Tubal and Meshach may be anticipating two particular Russian cities, Tobolsk and Moscow. Uh, Madai is thought to be the father of the Medes. Now that would have put that particular son more in the Middle East. Uh, in the Near East, in that region. Uh, most of Ham's descendants are in that area. <clears throat> but um, Madai th- thought of as father of the Medes. Javan is thought of those who in, in, um, inhabited Turkey and 
along the western edge in the Ionian coast of, of Turkey near the Aegean Sea. And Tiras, Josephus attributes the uh, line of the Thracians, which were the people that inhabited the area of Italy and Rome, uh, predating, of course, those more modern nations. And then a little more, uh, some of the sons and their grandsons from the line of Gomer, there's these three sons, Ashkenaz, Riphath, and Togomar, Togarma. Uh, Ashkenaz was a, a, an area north of uh, the Israeli area, the Fertile Crescent, <clears throat> but they seem to have migrated north and there is maybe even to our present day a group called the Ashkenazi Jews uh, in the Slavic area, Russian area. Uh, so we have, uh, then it comes down to Kittim, which is Cyprus, and Dodemnim, which is Rhodes. And if you remember one of the ancient marvels of the Colossus of Rome, Rhodes, um, this people would have been connected to all of that. So you have here the sons of Japheth, as a rule, traveling north and west, uh, to uh, inhabit what we know of as Europe and Germany and uh, Russia and those parts of the world. So that's the sons of Japheth. Then we pick it up in verse 6, a longer, more extended section on the, uh, the sons of, of Ham. <clears throat> and uh, let me go ahead and just read this entire section and we'll come back and talk to the different pieces of it. So in uh, Genesis 10, 6, the sons of Ham, Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. The sons of Cush, Seba, Havilah, Sabta, Ramah, and Sabtica. The sons of Ramah, Sheba, and Dedan. Cush fathered Nimrod. He was the first on earth to be a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erek, Akkad, and Kalna, in the land of Shinar. From that land he went into Assyria and built Nineveh, Rehoboth-ur, Kala, and Rezin between Nineveh and Kala. That is the great city. Egypt fathered Ludim, Anamim, Lahabim, Naphtuhim, Pathrusim, Kaluthshim, from whom the Philistines came, and Kaphtorim. Canaan fathered Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth, and the, De and the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Gergesites, the Hivites, the Archites, the Sinites, the Arvidites, the Zemorites, and the Hamathites. Afterward, the clans of the Canaanites dispersed, and the territory of the Canaanites extended from Sidon in the direction of Gerar as far as Gaza, and in the direction of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, and Zeboim, as far as Lasha. These are the sons of Ham by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. And even as I read that, I'm sure you recognize a lot of different cities and names of people that were uh, that are part of Israel's history. 
So we start with Ham and his sons, Cush, Egypt, Put, uh, were sons that settled in, in what we know of as Africa, largely. Uh, they um, um, were some of the great enemies of, of Abraham's offspring uh, and fought against them. Cush is uh, Nubia. Uh, of course, Egypt, sometimes it's the name is Mizraim, but it's Egypt, and Put is Libya. So you have these nations uh, in, along the southern Mediterranean Sea and in, in Africa, and Canaan, who his descendants, he and his descendants settled in what we know as the land of Canaan, Palestine, Palestine and um, Israel. Um, and Egypt fathered, if you look at verse 13, so let me back up for a minute. So Cush, some of the uh, thoughts are the people of Ethiopia and in the area of modern day Sudan and Arabia were all part of his descendants that connect with our uh, world today. In verse 13, um, Egypt fathered these, these are nations particularly, not individuals that he fathered. This is why the little I am at the end of it, the Ludim, the Animim, and the rest of them. And you see the notation that Moses puts in here on the Calosim that from them the Philistines came, another one of the enemies of Israel. But we have all these nations taking their place in the um, Near East, and they're going to end up having conflicts, uh, many of these with the people of Israel. <clears throat> In verses 15 to 19, I forget, oh no, Kent Hughes says, calls this as the most wanted list of Israel's inveterate enemies. And even as I read through the list, you saw the... Uh, um, Canaan fathered Sidon in verse 15, his firstborn in Heth. And then this list, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Gergesites. I mean, you, you've read that list over and over and over again. The one nation that's not in that list that uh, many feel is an inheritor of Heth is the Hittites. Uh, that he was the father of the Hittites as well. And the Hittites were a nation they lived in the area of Canaan, but they particularly pushed, pushed northward into the region of what we know of as Turkey. Uh, but one author was talking about how that the Hittites later on were pushed out of their region and they traveled eastward as far as China and helped settle the region of China. So you have these net nations, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Gergesites, the Hivites, and very familiar enemies of Israel uh, throughout their history in the land of, of Israel in the, uh, the Near East. But the one thing that's notable for us to take, or for us to take note of is uh, Nimrod and there's special attention given to him in verses 8 to 12. Um, Cush was his father, and he was a mighty man. 
Now, the word mighty in and of itself isn't necessarily negative or positive. It could be either one. It could be one mighty in the Lord, uh, a mighty uh, warrior for God. Uh, but in this context, with um, especially the nations that he builds and the different things that he did, it's most likely has a, a negative connotation. In fact, Nimrod's name means rebel. And Nimrod was a mighty warrior, um, a mighty hunter before the Lord, but not as a hunter of animals. You may be a deer hunter. You may have hunted deer and you were a mighty hunter getting your deer each year. But this isn't, what, this isn't anything what they're talking about with Nimrod. What he is, is he's a mighty hunter of men. He's a conqueror of nations. He's a despot. He's a, he's a bully. Uh, and he's mighty in the, in the world at that time. And it was said, uh, even though it said a mighty hunter before the Lord doesn't mean he's doing it for the Lord. But in, in the presence of the Lord, he's this mighty hunter. And the, the kingdoms that he erects, verse 10, the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. Babel is the region where the, the Tower of Babel is, but it's also the region where the nation Babylon is established and the city of Babylon is established. And Babylon is, was a real city, uh, but it also becomes almost a, uh, a, a metaphor for all the wicked uh, energies that go against God. And uh, even Israel in the book of Revelation is kind of a, the, um, a, a falseless wife a faithless wife um, and represented even in that sense, Babylon. And in Revelation, it will be joy rejoicing when she falls. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great for all the nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxur luxurious living. So he built Babel, Babylon, and these other cities, and another notable one that he built in, in verse 11, from that land he went into Assyria. So he started in the plain of Shinar, what we know as Babylon, Iraq, and Iran in our current day. And he traveled back into the northern part of uh, Canaan, uh, where there was Syria and Assyria, and he built Nineveh. Uh, a mighty city and a mighty enemy of uh, God and his people, that great city. So he was a founder of these, at least two of these nations that became fierce enemies of God and God's people. And so Nimrod is, there's special attention given to him so that we might take note of um, what he did and be warned, be alarmed. And the summary on the sons of uh, Ham, verse 20 again, these are the sons of Ham by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. So the two, two sons, his, sec, his third son and then his second son have been given to us. Now we come to his, third, his first son, which is Shem. 
And in verse 21, to Shem also, the father of all the children of Eber, the elder brother of Japheth, the children were born. The sons of Shem, Elam, Asher, Arpashad, Lud, and Aram. The sons of Aram, Uz, Hol, Gether, Mash. Arpachshad fathered Shelah, and Shelah fathered Eber. To Eber were born two sons. The name of the one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. Joktan fathered Almadad, Sheleph, Hazar Marveth, Jera, Hadoram, Uzal, Dikla, Obal, Abimael, Sheba, Ophir, Havilah, and Jobab. All these were the sons of Joktan. The territory in which they lived extended from Mesha in the direction of Sefer to the hill country of the east. These are the sons of Shem by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. One thing I forgot to draw your attention to, talking about the descendants of, of Canaan, one was the Jebusites. And the Jebusites were those who took uh, the mountain where, Israel, where Jerusalem ultimately was built. But here we have uh, Shem's lineage. And as I mentioned, it doesn't end uh, here. It, we're given a, a good segment of it, but it continues on in chapter 11 because it's going to pick up the lineage of the Shemites to draw us down to the person of Abraham. And the story of Abraham will become the next most significant part of the story in Genesis. After these early chapters in the foundation, the creation and the flood, and these chapters will begin with the story of Abraham and then it will be Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. And they become the four leading characters in the rest of the story of, of uh, Genesis. And of the uh, sons, uh, um, Tushem was born, was the father of all the children of Eber. Now Eber is significant for us because it's the word from which we get the word Hebrews. Uh, so the people of Israel, they got their name from their father, Eber, and they became known as the people of the Hebrew, uh, Hebrews. Uh, Elam was the father of the Elamites, <clears throat> again in um, the area, region of Syria and Assyria. Uh, Asher uh, was uh, along, uh, established along the Tigris River in Mesopotamia, so the Fertile Crescent, so if you take Israel and kind of draw a, a, a curve above down into Babylon, so they would have been kind of in the top part of that curve. Uh, you have uh, Lud, uh, who was father of the Lydians, who lived in the area of Turkey. Um, uh, Arpaxad is uh, a name that has puzzled many, but generally people have come to the understanding that he was probably the father of the Chaldeans, from whom also... Uh, Abraham came. He had to come out of Ur of the Chaldeans. And then you have the name Peleg there in uh, verse 25. 
To Eber were born two sons. The name of the one was Peleg. And then it notes, for in his days, the earth was divided. So Peleg, even his, the consonants of his name mean division. And so it's making a note that in his day, the earth was divided. The uh, people were scattered from the Tower of Babel. And it's making a reference to the dispersal of, um, of the people of of the people of the world during his lifetime. So we have the names of these sons of Shem and then the end of the ver- end of the chapter in verse 32 says these are the clans of the sons of Noah according to their genealogies in their nations and from these the nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood. And the spreading abroad, the story of that, again, is a, it's a backdrop to the next story that Moses is going to tell us, which is the story of the scattering of the nations from the Tower of Babel. And again, as we look through these genealogies, they're sometimes kind of tedious, uh, but it's helpful for us to remember the point of this particular genealogy It's for you and I to get a sense of the nations of the earth that came from the family of Noah and to appreciate how all those nations came to be and ultimately to where they were scattered. But particularly as we look on uh, this last line of Shem is to realize uh, that the climax of the, his lineage isn't here and it really isn't ultimately in Abraham, though that's where it's going next. But the climax of the line of Shem is Christ. <clears throat> uh, in Luke 3, the genealogy there, I won't have you turn there, but just listen. Uh, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Serug, the son of Reu, the son of Peleg, the son of Heber, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Arpaxad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah. What Moses is giving to us is the pointer to the Christ. Uh, we, we know the Bible is covenant history. We know that that's the purpose of it. And all the events in it aren't included because they're interesting events. They're all included in there because they are showing us the direction of God's covenant plan from creation to consummation. And we're in in that plan. And you and I have a wonderful um, part in that history. Um, the history, this is our history. Christ is our savior, part of our history. And we are part of the history now of God until the coming of Christ to come again. And you and I, I hope, can say, can take hope in this message and realize this is the hope of the nations. It wasn't 
in what they, the plots of land that they inhabited, the hope of the nations was in ultimately the Messiah who was to come, the promised son who would put, who would overthrow the evil one and triumph over him. And so it's the hope of the nations that directs our attention to Christ, which is why this genealogy is such a blessing and a help to us. And may we have that encouragement and find that encouragement in it. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the wonderful history that you give us in uh, this part of your your word. We, we thank you that even though there are names here that perhaps don't ring a bell with us or we are a little unsure exactly where they fit in the story, we know that you know and you have placed them exactly where they needed to be and that you have brought everything to accomplish the purpose of bringing your son into the world that we might be saved through him. Help us to have that hope um, dominate our thoughts and help us to understand your, your word and its truth as we go through it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.